Hi, Filmatics. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show today. We have a spectacular guest for you. We have John Evershed. John is the CEO of High Concentrate and former CEO of Mondo Media. And John, executive produced and an award-winning library of shorts, TV series, and movies, including the two Annies for Happy Tree Friends, for Best Animated TV Series for Adults and winner of Best Animated Feature Film at Berlin Film Festival for Dick Figures, the movie. And he's generated over 6 billion views on YouTube for Mondo's short form library. Let's welcome John to the show. Hi, John. Hi, Marilyn. Thanks for having me on. You are with a pleasure to have you here. And can you let everyone know where you are recording with us live today from? I'm coming from beautiful Green Bay, California, which is just north of San Francisco. Wow, north of San Francisco, beautiful. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. I've never been there. So Green Bay, is that along the coast over there? Uh, it's, it's in the, as soon as, you, if you go over the, the Golden Gate Bridge, just drive north 10 minutes from, from San Francisco and you'll hit Green Bay. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. So, John, you do so many amazing things, and you are basically a pioneer of, um, you know, short films on YouTube and adult animation, and also you are the author of the adult animation white paper, which the next edition is going to be coming out any day now, and also it's a free annual report on the state of adult animation market and the adult animation database. So some of our listeners might really love that. So uh, hopefully all of our listeners who are interested in adult animation, you can um, you know, uh, find out how to get the, um, the free white papers from John. So first I wanted to ask John, growing up, what was one of your favorite childhood movies? Well, I'd have to pick an animated one, obviously. Um, and I, I, I'd have to say uh, Jungle Book had a big influence on me. I was right at that age where I, I was discovering movies and my mom took us to go and see Jungle Book. And I remember just falling in love with everything about it. It just seemed, it seemed so all-encompassing, that world and the music was so beautiful. That was the era, that, that movie was made right when... Disney passed away in the middle of making that movie. It was kind of the last of the great Disney features, you know, and they sort of went into a, a fallow period after that. But that movie, it was very much of that era too, you know, sort of mid sixties. It had, a, it had a really, it had a jazz music, uh, you know, score to it. So that, that movie really captivated, captivated me. I was the kid on Sunday morning that was always or Sunday evening when, uh, you know, wonderful world of Disney came on was disappointed when it was a live action movie. It was like, ah, oh, it's going to be one of those. I want to see something animated. Uh, uh, so that was, that was the early influence, but honestly, the, the, uh, you know, more recently, my professional influence at the beginning of my career was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Spike and Mike animation festival. You ever heard of that? It's called Sick and Twisted was the name of the, the, the animation festival. It was a showcase for animated short format um, content that was predated. You know, MTV was one of the first ones to really, you know, pick up that, oh, this stuff kind of resonates with young adults with shows like Beavis and Butthead. Well, they found Beavis and Butthead on Spike's, uh, uh, on his show. He was touring that that particular short format video, along with many others. He broke a lot of talent. It was the only place to find 
adult animation pre-internet. If you think about it, right, there really wasn't any, there's no sort of very, there's only a handful of, of noteworthy, you know, adult animated content up until probably The Simpsons, right? That was the big, the big, the big game changer. But um, that, that early um, uh, stuff that was on Spike and Mike, it was a showcase for like, kind of cool European indie stuff. And it was uh, shocking some of it, a lot of it, you know, that was in vogue. And, uh, and then, and then again, like MTV kind of grabbed that. If you remember early MTV was a lot of animated stuff. Remember it was all like claymation and weird little animated bumpers and things like that. Um, that all came out of San Francisco. That all came out of a studio here. A lot of it from Colossal. It's no longer a studio anymore, but a really sort of important studio in that evolution of adult animation. That's a long answer to what was my most influential movie, but there you go. Well, I'm I'm with a Jungle Book. Akuma Matata. I hope we're allowed to yeah. say that. No, that's, not, say. that's the Lion King. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. What was Jungle Book then? Uh, the, uh, you know. The, uh, just dancing bears and yeah i really like all the right. um the fun dancing and stuff like that yeah. and um uh, yeah yeah uh, well you're in the adult animation world and i'm in the kids content but i, I mean mm -hmm. everyone like beavis and butthead and family guy and stuff like that so yeah so i want to ask you growing up then um did you have a uh favorite criterion movie that perhaps inspired your career path um uh, I grew up in Canada, and um, Canada has a long history of doing. Um, the National Film Board contributed a lot towards the animation industry, and it actually was a key part of like developing Canada into like you know that they're very big in the kids animation business, obviously, right? And they they contribute tax credits to uh, all the you know labor that's done up there in Canada. So I was uh, I was influenced a little bit by that as a kid because that was all around me all the time that that stuff and it's very high quality, um, you know, artistic work I guess, and uh, so that that had a, a, an influence on me. But I, I came here to the U.S. actually um, to work for uh, at the time it was a subsidiary of the Chronicle and um, they. Uh, I was doing early online trials. Like my history is a little bit more like connected to online and video games leading into adult animation. I raised a lot of venture capital in Silicon Valley here and in the first bubble, before the first bubble. And that's how I started Mondo. And I was able to, you know, Mondo's focus was short format animation for, for, for teens and young adults primarily, right? And then YouTube came along. I started doing a lot of uh, YouTube work. Obviously, I, you mentioned that we've done six, six billion views on YouTube. Um, and uh, so we gravitated a lot of our stuff towards YouTube. But honestly, more recently, my, my focus has been on, um, on, so, uh, on, on the, the big uh, S-Pods, on, on the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons and these kinds of buyers, because that's where the biggest heat is at the moment in the adult animation business. Yeah, uh, one of my friends, uh, he is a p independent publisher, and he's he's got adult animation too. Like it's called Goon Tunes on YouTube, so he's got like two hundred thousand subscribers. And I'm like, we are we are so different. Like he's his animation and mine, like mine is like sweet and bubbly, and his is like more adult and uh, like horror. Yeah. And and I'm like, ah, oh, that's just so different than me. But like it's really popular, and like I just think someone. 
I heard about like Fairfax just got a deal. Uh, it's called Fairfax or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's just amazing um, how, you know, what, what gets popular with anime and adult animation. And there's just, it just yeah. it's, it's just really amazing. So I'm going to ask you like, um, did you have a favorite director then? Like, um, cause you're a producer as well. So hey. do, so is there a favorite producer or director and um, of a film that you just love and fell in love with? Um, one of my favorites is the uh, guy that just directed the first episode of Invincible. That's the superhero series that just started airing on Netflix um, on the weekend. His name is Robert Valley. Um, he directed uh, a short called Pear Cider and Cigarettes that was nominated for an Oscar a couple of years ago. Um, I think he's one of the more interesting directors at the moment that, that I really like, like a contemporary director. Um, you know, uh, my there's a couple of things going on in the in the adult animation business right now um one is that you know you it's quietly animation has replaced uh the sitcom as the the the, the most preferred the, as millennials preferred way to consume comedy even comedy central is making a shift right now from um you know, they're rebooting um, literally uh, uh, Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead as some of their major Daria, a spinoff of Daria. Um, and and so they've kind of seen the writing on the wall. Like if we if we want to be relevant, if we want to hit hit young adults, we've got to do adult animation. So Comedy Central's made the ship. Fox, you know, they're the only broadcaster that has a lot of adult animation. But what they've done is, uh, you know, they've got their animation domination block, which is, you know, your Simpsons and your and your um, uh, King of the Hits, sorry, Family Guy and and uh, and uh, Bob's Burgers, Th those kinds of shows. They're expanding from Sunday night into Monday night. They, they've got about probably, I think they just announced they have uh, at least two dozen new series in development, and they're expanding beyond the sitcom format. Like they were the classic family sitcom animation home if you will um but they're expanding aggressively and of course the streamers are really expanding aggressively so so there's that one trend where animation is kind of replacing comedy as like you know the, the sitcom if you look up if you google search sitcom right now it comes up with all shows that used to that, that are no longer in production right it comes up with community and and uh reno uh uh uh, uh sorry um Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, and these kinds of series, right? Um, they're all out of production. If you, call, if you look up, you know, animated comedy, it's a, it's a long list. You know, it's, it's Archer and, you know, from everything from Archer to Rip to, uh, to, um, to like the, there's, there's at least a dozen there that, that, that are right out in front of you. Right. So, so there's that trend. There's this con it's taking over comedy, but it's also interestingly, opening up into like these new non-comedy genre uh, categories okay so there's there's a dozen new animated series coming out based on video games okay that's a whole new category today there's only one on-air series called castlevania that is um that is based on a video game there's a dozen of these new games um and you know like that includes everything from uh, Arcane, Cyberpunk, Dota, Diablo, Overwatch, Resident Evil. These are all major, major gaming franchises. 
um, with animated series. This is a whole brand new category that's like developing in front of our eyes here. So that that's going on. Um, and there's just a ton of um, reboots and spinoffs that are happening now um, that, that, you know, that for some reason they're going to the well. I mentioned already all those Viacom series, like, like Deep Sabata and that kind of stuff, right? Maybe Futurama's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, they're rebooting Clone High, Good Times. Okay, you remember that sitcom, the live action sitcom? Oh, wow. I saw, I saw they're doing like Scooby with Velma. Like Velma, that, that's a spinoff from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's just the beginning of the list. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, Masters of the Universe, um, which is He-Man, that, that, that uh, franchise. Um, uh, X-Files, they're doing an X-Files animated spinoff. Uh, really? You know, Jeffrey Kramer came on the show, so I bet you that he's excited about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but... Um, uh, He's one gremlins. of the gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins. Oh, wow. Yeah. We love the gremlins. So, Batman. Batman. It's just insane. But, like, I wonder if, like, everyone has, you know, will they get sick of, all, like, a plethora of, like, 200 new animation or anime? Do you think it'll be yeah. overload, sensory overload, or it will be just right? It's a good question. I don't know. I, there's, I, there's two questions, right? One is, will audiences embrace these brand new categories that are somewhat contested, right? Like, you know, you like like rebooting. I think it's a tall order to reboot um, Ren and Stimpy, for example. Is that going to resonate in today's market? Is it going to mean anything to anybody? Does like a 24-year-old even heard of Ren and Stimpy? Um, so, so that's one question for the reboots. And then on the, the video game category, these are all serious dramas. Like they're they're not comedies. They're they're kind of you know genre stuff like horror and action and that kind of thing, sci-fi. So is that going to work? The big big question mark with audiences, right? So and then the other question is: Is there enough talent, honestly, to execute on all of it? You know, like can, can they can they can they really produce the quantity that they're talking about? Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things is Japan right now. Um, Netflix is running around locking up all the studios in Japan, and so is Crunchyroll, which is owned by Sony. So the two of them are sort of trying to get these output deals, you know, lockups with studios. So, so that, uh, but there's a finite um, pipeline there. It, they, they, it's a very kind of, um, uh, you know, Dickensian kind of work environment for animators in, in Japan, if you know anything about how anime is made. It's not, um, they pay them very poorly. It's very bad working conditions. So it's going to be interesting to see with this surge of like buying around anime, um, can Japan, you know, literally deliver on all that, 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 that content? Because it's, it's really stepping up. Like just to give you an order of magnitude, last year my research showed that there was 100, um, excuse me, there was 50 shows in, in development or production for the upcoming year. It's, it's it's doubled by a hundred percent. There's now a hundred that I've documented that have been announced. That's only the ones that are announced. Yeah, and then In one um, year. Well, the, I saw that they're paying people to. Um, it's like they'll be training people, paying and training people, which is. Is not, but is it only in Japan? What about in USA or France or Italy or anywhere else around the um, world where they're doing that? Are because I heard yeah. that there's just not enough animator people to keep up, like you said, to keep up with 
producing yeah. the artwork and doing all that. Cause it's, even though there's computers, there's still a lot of um, uh, things that humans need to do to make an animation or anime or adult project, right? Yeah, it's a highly skilled trade, right? Um, so, so uh, well, here in the US, um, I can't think of any like active things that are going on other than that I have a feeling like LA is kind of maxing out, like all the studios in LA. Um, are have got to be tapped out. So I think it opens opportunities up. Uh, did you see that announcement that um, Fox, uh, Bento Box is doing a deal with a company called Princess Pictures out of Australia for adult animation. Um, Disney just opened up a whole dedicated unit um, called 20th, 20th something or other, 20th animation, I think, 20th animation. Um, and similarly, I think it opens the doors because right now, uh, most adult animation is either done in the U.S. or Japan and almost kind of nowhere else. It's very few. It's not like the kids' business, right, where you have a lot of, you know, French, British, Canadian, you know, producers all making animation. It, because it tended – it was historically comedy. Because it was historically comedy, it's a voice thing. So they, you, it, they weren't picking up comedies from international um, studios. And so they were somewhat kind of locked out of the – the, the game, if you will, the adult animation game. But now that there's so much demand and that it's diversifying into genre, I think it opens the door back up to international studios to kind of play. Ah, well, 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 hopefully they'll, they'll uh, allow new talented voiceover people to, to get that lucky break to, to um, embrace new talent. Like hopefully they'll call me because I do voiceovers, you know, with my kids' content. Oh, oh yeah, of course I do, oh my God. Well, <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, my podcast hit number one around the world, top 1.5. So cha-ching. So somebody's got to want, like, I'm well known. <laughs> I'm number one in a lot of countries. Who, you know, so that brings value. They're like, oh, my God, Lady Twistleton. So I'm hoping that I get that call soon. It's like, yep, we want that voice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, with COVID, um, what, what, what I'm understanding from the studios is that the talent agencies are reaching out to them and saying, hey, pretty quiet on the live action front here so we've got you know better talent than arguably was available at the studios prior to that available to them because they're out of work at the moment a lot of them so that's a weird byproduct of, of covid is that it, it that you see some pretty amazing casts getting attached to um some of these uh some of the more recently announced series for like netflix and and fox and these kind of buyers well, I think people around the world would would want them to discover new talent. We're we're, we're hoping, um, and especially someone that has hit number one in almost every country. I think has earned their stripes to be considered. So, so you know, what I mean? especially yeah, they're saying they want to help females. So here's a female. <laughs> but most importantly, I wanna I wanna talk. So like um. You know, you you recognize early on um, short content. You recognize YouTube was going to be incredible. Like you're yeah. like an entrepreneur. You're an investor. You're a producer. You're just a really genius of having that. Like um, like you have that entrepreneurial spirit and investor. Again, producer's job is to see stuff and to to know it's going to be good. And what you are very great at. And so um, I want to ask you, like you said, you grew up in Canada. So how did this all start? Like, because um, our audience is like, well, he knows so much. How did this happen? <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I started to describe, right? Like I, I was, um, 
I was an English lit major, you know, I, so, so I got an a job English offer here in the major. US. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I use it to this day all day long, right? The, all the, the stuff I learned, like reading scripts and, um, that kind of thing. So it's, it's actually, um, it's been a real asset, but, um, and I've got kind of my MBA through osmosis over the years, right? Cause you know, from running studios and stuff like that, but, um, and raising money. You know, that's a lot of it. Raising money for shows, raising money for companies. But my, my background um, is that I started kind of doing a lot of art and animation for video games and online websites and and IDs for TV series and things like that, right? Um, but I sort of saw that adult animation was a viable category. And like I raised money on on Sandhill, which is where you know all the VCs are, they, they wouldn't give money anymore to me because they don't like entertainment. But in the in that time in that era, you were able to raise money around um, different ideas than you can today. But um, so so I was able to. I, I sort of saw the internet. So I remember dismissing the internet when it first came to me. Like somebody gave, showed me um, Mosaic, the early browser to the internet, like the predecessor to Netscape. And uh, I'm thinking like, uh, I've been trying this stuff like in-home uh, online services for so long that it's just not going to work. And then it was about six months later, I'm like, oh, this is really the big dance. This is this is going to work, this whole dot, dot com thing, you know. Um, so uh, I, I went out and raised money like, hey, I'm going to be the adult animation guy on the Internet. That was the, the, the business plan. And I was literally like 20 years, uh, you know, ahead of my time with the, that thinking. And the, the cruel, cruel truth is it never really materialized. In other words, social media, social video, YouTube, uh, those kind of platforms have devolved into what I call just video blogger ghettos. They're, they're lowest common denominator. They don't have, there's not much room for professionally produced content on, on those social media platforms anymore. There's only room for the guy or the girl with the camera and they can be wildly successful. It's like fine tuned for the noisiest um, vlogger on, on YouTube. You can, you, you can do other things obviously, but from a like scripted entertainment standpoint, YouTube kind of killed whatever energy there was. And, and it's only kind of, I think it appeared obvious to me that all the energy is going to be on the, the big subscription platforms now for, for scripted professionally produced animation that, that that's, that is exclusively where it will live. And, uh, and the social video isn't really a viable, at least at this stage. And, um, I would argue that Quibi kind of uh, put the nail in the coffin for, for kind of, you know, new platforms that try to find business models that 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 aren't the big the big subscription platforms. So that that's sort of kind of been my career trajectory is trying to find like well, where is the heat? What's the what is the the next thing here? How can we be on top of it? How can I? Um, anticipate it. And what I'm anticipating right now is that scripted non-comedy genre animation will become a massive category, a global category, a little bit like anime is 
now today, but it's exotic and funky and not for everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But what if, you know, what if you could produce long form scripted dramas, horrors, mysteries, sci-fi's that were, um, that were, uh, that are intended for adult audiences and that have real international appeal. Yeah. Right. Everyone um, loves sci-fi and fantasy. And, and I think, like you said, story and character, um, you know, those are key. Cause like, um, th there'll be all these trendsetters and then you just have a pure story and it will just, it'll just knock it out of the park. Like Dot and Abby knocked it out of the park. Uh, the Queen's Gambit knocked out of the park. So there's certain things that will just, people just like their meat and potatoes. They, they like the Family Guys and the Simpsons. Obviously, the Simpsons have been around forever, but I yeah. think they like variety too. They, they do like their variety. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it's part of it's because of the popularity of video games. They all watch these um, these cinematics um, in their video games, you know, that tell stories between scenes and kind of stage things. And mm -hmm. they're all they're seeing all this animation all the time. They become accustomed to it. And that's arguably why I think Netflix in particular thinks they're ready for a lot of these series that are based on video games. It's because this massive community, like, like video games industry, industry is bigger than movies and music combined. Okay. Yes, I agree with you uh, because... Yeah. There, um, like a video game, like everyone, you know, competes and com and like you, you can play like Twitch and stuff. You can play international with different competitors and and those esports. So, and now with the revolutionary, the virtual reality. Did you see the new? Um, there's this a virtual. You can have it in your house. It's a virtual. It's on like WeFunder or so or Seedinvest, and like Mark Cuban, I think, is behind it. And they've raised already like $11 million. And it's like this virtual reality. Like, you know, like um, Pennington, you're running on that thing. Well, it's a virtual reality. You have the like the glasses and you're in this whole yeah. video game world. So yeah. that's, so they're taking yeah. it up a notch as well. And so you're, you're exactly right. You really know uh, you're like a predictor of the future, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, it's really happening right now. A lot of these, these trends. So, I'm, as much as I'm on the front end of it, I'm reporting on some of the things that are, you know, for the longest time, it was my, the, I had a thesis about adult animation, but th these new trends in terms of, of how much stuff is coming, uh, you know, down the pike here in a little while. Um, you know, there's another company that I really like too, which is called Trioscope or Trioscope. Um, these guys, um, they do, uh, I have a couple of projects set up with them actually. Um, and they do uh, live action shot in a uh, green screen soundstage and then composite it into to, uh, computer generated backgrounds. Um, but it's, it's, it's not just slapped on, it's the spatially aware camera. So you can move around in time and space, you know, inside. The, uh, and it looks like you're actually inside the show. But the whole thing flattens everything else so the net effect of it is it looks like a moving graphic novel. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Like a yeah. is that a new thing? Like this moving graphic novel? They, there's one series that, that went to air in the fall called The Liberator. Um, that uh, is a their first uh, mini series that they did using this technology. But they have uh, some new projects coming down the line here that I'm pretty excited about. Um, and uh, two of them are mine, hopefully, or or, or I brought two of them. 
Oh, so, great. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, we're going to stop here and come, um, we're going to ask our audience to come back with a part two so we can find out about your projects that you're producing. And uh-huh. then you can tell everyone about the white, the white paper. So they're at this point, they're like, oh, I want to get in the white paper and learn about, um, adult animation. So, um, uh, uh, Filmatics, join us for part two with John Evershed. We'll be right back. <laughs> 